Hello from the ABA Annual Meeting 2018 in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Rocky Deer. Law Waters. This is Terry Rockrigle. Sarah Rogers. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. It's a pleasure to be here. We got such a great panel today. So I got, I've got a story to tell you. This morning, the ABA Tort Trial Insurance Practice Section, that's, that's a mouthful, but I, I managed to get it out, in conjunction with the Young Lawyers Division, also known as YLD. So you got tips and you got YLD. We had a great panel, and it was, it was called Raising the Bar, Razzle Dazzle Them at Trial. And yours truly got to moderate the panel. And it's good that I was only moderating because the actual panelists that you're going to hear from did a tremendous job. Actually, I think this is something that even some of us older lawyers could have benefited from. So let's start by meeting our panelists. Law, tell us a little about yourself. Law Waters. I practice in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been practicing about 17 years now at a firm called Hannah and All Harrison Sell. My practice is commercial litigation with a focus on insurance defense. So you're you're the defense side defense, of the yes. of the of this trial dichotomy we've got going on, right? Yes. So now let's let's briefly meet the plaintiff side and then and then we're gonna meet the person in the black robe in just a second. So let's let's meet the plaintiff side. Sarah, tell us about yourself. Sarah Rogers. I practice in Dallas, Texas with a firm called Crane Lewis Brogdon. I practice personal injury law, uh, catastrophic accidents, medical malpractice, things of that nature. And I've been practicing for about 14 years. And actually, Sarah and I are both from, we're both from Dallas. Correct. We are. We're both Dallas kids, but we actually met here. We never met in Dallas, but we met at the ABA. It's another reason to come here. For the first time this morning. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy? It's (laughs) just all these years. And now let's see who wears the black robe. Judge, tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Judge Terry Ruckrigal. And I'm from Breckenridge, Colorado. I've been an attorney for 34 years and a judge. I mean, well, judge for 34 years and attorney for 44 years. Oh, wow. So after 10 years, you got to become a judge. I did. Wow. Okay. I'm feeling really, really unaccomplished right now. And I'm just going to throw that out there. So, so guys, you know, this was, this was a very interesting panel this morning and it was only an hour. And I think we can all agree that we could not nearly cover everything in an hour. Didn't it go by fast? Very fast. It did. Yes. So there's a few things that I think we didn't get a chance to cover, but let's, I wanted to get your guys' perspectives on kind of thinking back to what we talked about. What would you say is maybe the one key takeaway that young lawyers and maybe even more seasoned lawyers should take away about trial practice and trial prep? So, La, let's start with you. I think one thing young lawyers should take away is the legal profession is an adversarial system. But I think one thing young lawyers should keep in mind that it's important to have a good working relationship with the opposing counsel. Civility. Civility. Wow, it's very, very important. Okay, good. I like to establish that from the very beginning of the case because there are going to be things that come up that you're going to disagree on. And it's it's a good idea if you have a good relationship at the beginning. It helps you resolve disputes between yourselves where you don't have to get the judge involved you can come to an agreement you know sometimes you may have to give a little on some things and the other side may have to give a little but you don't always have to argue about every single thing we see that a lot especially in discovery but let's talk about the trial for a second having that that collegial relationship with your opposing counsel how would that 
say, help in the trial practice, once you're actually in front of a jury or about to be in front of a jury? I think it helps a lot with jurors to see that the attorneys get along. They're not arguing about every little thing and that the jurors are not magnifying everything that's going on if they see that the attorneys are getting along. They don't always understand the things that are going on behind the scenes. You're having conversations with each other and with the judge sometimes when they're still in the room. Sometimes the judge will send them to the jury room. Other times there are things going on that they can't hear that are going on that they may not understand. But if the attorneys have a collegial relationship, then they know and can tell that what is happening is not something that should be magnified or something that they should be concerned about. Plus, we can get stipulations, right? You can stipulate to a number of things and kind of streamline the process so the jurors kind of appreciate you. Okay, so great point, Law. Sarah, what would you say is kind of a key takeaway from the plaintiff's perspective? Sure, and and kind of building on that, to me, the two big takeaways are credibility and organization. So credibility, going to Law's point, uh, I said it during our presentation this morning, but trial is really all about a race to credibility. It's who the jury believes, it's who the judge understands is telling the truth. If you're making misrepresentations, whether it be to the jury or to the judge or both, um, the jurors pick up on that, the judge picks up on that, uh, and the jurors will notice. So it's really a race to credibility with your witnesses, even preparing for trial through the discovery phases, things like that. Credibility is really a key. And I think organization, obviously, I know we talked about that a lot this morning, but having a strategy, having a plan from day one when you get that case in the door, having a strategy and and being organized as to how you're going to accomplish that is really, really key. When you bear the burden of proof, you better be able to by the time the trial rolls around and you better do it credibly or else you're going to lose a lot of folks on the jury and the judge as well. And so when you talk about credibility with the jury, you know, because I think most most lawyers, especially those who litigate, kind of understand credibility with the judge because you've had a relationship with that judge throughout the course of pretrial. But now, once you're in front of that jury, how do you how do you lose credibility, or how do you gain credibility in your experience? The quickest way to lose credibility is to make a promise that you're not going to be able to make. So, is is to tell the jury uh, you're going to hear from witness X, and they're going to say this, and witness X gets up there and they go the other direction. Uh, mm. You're in trouble uh, if you tell them we're going to be able to show you that we've got two million dollars in damages, and you get up there and you show them twenty thousand. That's a different story. So be very cautious about how you sell your case. You are truly selling your case, and and you do need to make those um, representations to the jury. But when you're doing that, um, the quickest way to lose credibility is just to make an outlandish statement, something that you're not going to be able to prove uh, for an absolute guarantee. That's the quickest way to lose credibility in the eyes of the jury. And it starts all in voir dire. From there, I mean, from the first words they hear out of your mouth in voir dire, throughout the course of the trial. You need to be mindful of that and take it to your advantage. If the other side uh, makes a statement that's not credible, take advantage of that and point it out because you can guarantee the other side will do the same thing. So you Absolutely. really need to be careful. And I, and I want to thank you for saying voir dire because I'm, I'm also from Texas. Everybody in the North says voir dire, and I know that's what the French said, but you know, dang it, we're from Texas. We're a big state and we want to say voir dire. And I think you say voir dire too, right? I say and, voir dire. In, in Alabama? In Alabama. Is that the whole South, you think, or is that is that just certain parts? I, I guess it's a Southern thing. I've never really heard it pronounced for deer, so I didn't realize that there was some conflict. In, in my cousin Vinny, Joe well, Pesci, the, the prosecutor said, yes. the prosecutor said, Yana, you mind if I voir dire this witness? And 
And so, I mean, and that was in the South. And so I thought it was just a Texas thing, but apparently it goes beyond that. And throw yes. a couple of y'alls in there too while you're at it. You, you have to do the y'alls. <laughs> but now we're going to move a little further North. Judge, I think you're, I, it sounds like you're more of a voir dire person. Voir dire. And you don't, and you say you guys, not y'all. So, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of outnumbered on this panel, but since That's you're okay. the judge, you get to be. So, so t- tell us what, what's, what's the key takeaway you think for young lawyers? Well, about I was just sitting here thinking, and in light of the program this morning, I'm going to say, me too. Credibility and uh, organization preparation are, are really important, but it's a long road, and that's what we tried to point out to everybody. It needs to start at the very beginning. Once you have your client, you need to start thinking about formulating the process by which you may need to go to trial. And we know 98% of the cases, you know, don't go to jury trial. Sure, that's the reality. But you need to be prepared all along because the preparation is what will get you into a posture of where you may be able to resolve it without trial. And we do like to recognize that that's it's a good thing. It's interesting, though, because there's kind of this, I guess, divergent incentives, right? Because the plaintiff <clears throat> is usually setting a case up because the plaintiff wants to go to trial. And oftentimes the defense it's not always, but oftentimes the defense is trying to do everything they can to avoid trial and possibly get the case poured out on summary judgment. So, and judge, what you're saying is be prepared for trial regardless of what happens. So when, when, when you guys are preparing your cases, law, this may be especially for you, but when you're preparing a case, you know, if, you, if you're trying to get this teed up for a summary judgment, are you still thinking about trial ultimately or do you think about trial once you get a ruling on summary judgment? No, you think about trial from the very first day the case comes in the door. You're thinking about trial. Being in front of that jury. Yes, because you have to educate your client, number one. You have to manage your client's expectations about what are going to happen. Summary judgment is never a guarantee. Sure. And for some judges, one, you have to know your jurisdiction. And we know in some courts, it doesn't matter what the facts are really, you pretty much know that you're not going to get summary judgment. Got it. Okay? okay, so you just have to be prepared for that, even if you really should get summary judgment. Got it. You're not going to get it. Okay? Right, sure. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not promised. You're it, just kind of, kind of hoping if you're well, on the defense side. in some jurisdictions, some judges are just not going to grant hmm. you summary judgment. It's just highly Let's just unlikely. Be, right. It's right. just, um, we just have to be realistic with our client on some of those things. And so... You prepare for trial from the very first day the case comes in the door. We have a few minutes left, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. You know, best and worst things you've seen, without, without naming the, the guilty, but best and worst things you've seen litigators do in trial. Judge, let's start with you. Well, I think uh, it does partially go back to the organization piece. And it, it's uh, organization to the level where you know your case you feel it you believe it you can speak you know from your heart as well as your mind and lay out what the facts of that case are when you're doing an opening statement for one because you have it all organized and and i hate to say it but i mean scripted but you're flexible and that's one of the key things about attorneys that they need to be able to roll with it when the punches go now i well I was just going to say that my experience is most of the time summary judgment doesn't get granted, and it's not necessarily. That sounds, you know, you know no, sure, difficult, sure. but I mean, it's not. It, it's usually because there are some 
as we say, genuine issues. Issues of material fact. fact. Yes. If there's an issue of law, there's a lot greater chance of it. But anyway, that's that, that's just my view on those two things. And Sarah, how about you? Best and worst things you've seen lawyers do? You know, from the plaintiff's perspective, the worst thing I've seen is uh, not asking for the big M, the money. You Mm. have to ask for the money. Uh, It is a tough sell, but as a plaintiff's attorney, that's your job is you've got to sell this jury on what you're asking. And at the end of the day, if you fail to ask that jury for a number and say, well, just give us whatever you think is fair. Uh -uh, That is is a terrible strategy in my book. And and even to further that, I've read some studies that say um, jurors are actually more likely to give you money if not only if you ask for a number but if you tell them what it's going to be used for. Mm. Juries are much more inclined to give money if they say yes, this poor widow and her three children, that's going to help raise the children, send them to college because the wife, the husband died. That's going to really provide for them. Juries like to do that. So absolute worst thing you can do is, is not ask for the money. You've got to ask for exactly what you want for your client. La, how about you? I would echo what the judge said about laying out the case. That's very, very important. And it's very important strategically how you do that through your witnesses. Sure. One of the worst things I've seen is where you take too long and you have too many witnesses. Hmm. And juries hate that because, one, they really don't want to be there Hmm. anyway. It doesn't really matter what the case is about. They don't want to be there. And so... It's best if you can get your case on, lay it out really well, be concise, be targeted. Don't have the same witnesses talking about the same thing over and over again. Once you've made a point, move on to the next thing. I've heard judges sometimes say, keep it crisp. Keep, keep it, it crisp, crisp and, and, and move it along. Right. And I've had a judge do that to me before making an argument. They've said, okay, I've got it, move on. And sure. some attorneys don't get that. They keep talking about it over <sighs> and over again. Right. When a judge tells me to move on, I move on. It's time to go. Well, guys, one last question. So let's say somebody wants to get in touch with you to talk through these issues and, and maybe learn a little something. How do they get a hold of you? So, La, let's start with you. Email lwaters at hanarendahl.com. Okay. Judge? And it, my email is terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at ruckrigle.com, R-U-C-K-R-I-E-G-L-E.com. Sure. And my email is srogers, that's R-O-G-E-R-S, at cranelewis, C-R-A-I-N-L-E-W-I-S.com. Well, you guys have been phenomenal here. It was such a pleasure to work with you on the panel today. You guys are just a fountain of, of wisdom and tips. Thank you guys for educating the ABA and, and for being part of this podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Thank Rob. You, Thanks Rocky. for having us. You did a great job. Absolutely. Well, well, listen, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.